And she said to me at the time, I think I could sell this. However, going back to the, I suppose, training that I had at L'Oreal, I actually asked her to hold off because I knew that unless I had a beautifully presented makeup bar with a full colour collection for her to have in store, that it was going to be a product that collected dust on a shelf. Welcome back to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. As usual, I am your host, Melbourne-based beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. In case you are new to the podcast or you just need a little refresh, each episode I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that defines their signature look, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is Victoria Curtis, founder of Australian makeup brand Curtis Collection, which can be found in hundreds of stockists across the country. Each time I sit down to an episode of Beauty Island, I am continually blown away by my guests. Their willingness to share their stories first, but also just the incredible strength and wisdom and positivity and dogged determination that they have. And Victoria is one of those again. She's been someone I've been in contact with for a while, so it was so good to finally have her over one grey Saturday morning for a non-stop beauty chat. We talked about her early interaction with the transformative power of beauty, the gap she identified in the market after working at L'Oreal for a makeup brand that was actually good for your skin, building Curtis Collection over eight years into the success it is today. And she also shared the best fake tan tip for your hands I have ever heard. If you enjoy listening to Beauty Island, please subscribe and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find the podcast, which means I can keep making it. And if you are on Instagram, you can share in your Instagram stories that you're listening to the podcast. I love seeing where you're listening from. Just tag me at Beauty Island Podcast in your stories. As always, you don't need to write down any of the products that Victoria talks about. Just head to the show notes after you've listened and you'll find a full list as well as the link where you can sign up to my weekly beauty column slash newsletter called It's a Beauty. Now over to Victoria. Enjoy. Victoria, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm very excited to sit down with you. You've been on my list for a while. It's taken (laughs) us a while to get here. It has, hasn't it? (laughs) But I'm very lucky to have you with me today. Thank you. Now, I believe you were actually born into a family with a connection to beauty right from the start. Your aunts were hairdressers, beauty therapists, mm-hmm. makeup artists. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, yes. I think I had a hairdryer in my hand by probably the age of eight. And I don't think I'm lying when I say that. <laughs> I was, yes, I was born into a family of, of uh, beauty therapists, hairdressers, uh, makeup artists. My mother, however, was a dentist, but also had sort of grown up in the environment. So it was all very natural to me. And I think I just learned to find my own way with beauty because they were always busy. So no one could really do my hair or makeup. It was just like I said, the hairdryer was in my hand and I had to find my way. But it was just second nature to me. I just always saw my mum or my auntie really doing themselves up every single day, not even for a specific occasion. It was just somehow the way they presented themselves. And I think I just fell in love with the process. At 16, my first job was actually in an uncle's hairdressing salon. And it was just something I did for some cash on weekends. And um, I think the one thing that really resonated with me was when I would watch the customers walk in and basically go through their transformation process with their hair or makeup and the way that they walked out with a spring in their step and this newfound confidence that is the moment that I really did fall in love with the industry and I thought you know it's amazing what this can do for a woman's confidence and even today I always say that I'm in the business of selling confidence building products that's what drives me because I love the feeling of watching a woman feel empowered by you know really working to achieve something that she didn't sometimes didn't even know she could achieve with a beauty product or a beauty service. 
And I love that you've touched on that because that's something that I've always been really passionate about and really kind of the catalyst and the reason behind Beauty Island is to talk about yes. how beauty isn't superficial or just what you put on your face. Exactly. It's the memories, it's the feelings, it's everything that goes on behind it. So I love that you Absolutely. kind of saw that transformative power so early. Oh, yes. So you've touched on there. The first product you remember owning was obviously the hairdryer and brush. Yes. Now, I've always thought the blow drying is an absolute skill <laughs> and also the arm muscles that you oh, need yes. to do it. So I imagine you have it kind of down pat. Oh, that is the first thing I learned, how to use the round brush and how to sort of work your arms in the motion or the direction that you need to. I think that's the toughest part about blow waving. Sure. Especially the back of your hair. But it's, um, yeah, it takes a lot of practice, honestly, on yourself. Sometimes it's easier on somebody else. But yes, I must say it took years to refine but I think I've finally gotten there (laughs) (laughs) tell me kind of about those early days in your childhood what were you like did you kind of have growing up around this beauty did you know quite early on it's what you wanted to do as a career absolutely I think I always had a passion for it um I because of sort of going to high school and my father really wanted me to go to university and and I was accounting actually is what I majored in at at, um, university and that came very very naturally to me so I never felt as though um, I didn't want to go to uni it was something that I wanted to do so I paired that with marketing so I could kind of balance out the account side and I I went straight from high school into my university degree and finished that but I think I always had beauty as as a hobby on the side I mean firstly it was something that I did every day for myself like I said my mum would always be you know completely sort of um, polished and, and refined every day and doing her beauty routine so it was something that was natural to me so that was always in my daily life but I would always do my friends hair and makeup and um, you know just for fun and then I did a couple of makeup courses along the way um, for, for myself more than anything and um, I think I just always had it in the back of my mind what happened by chance is that I actually then received when I finished university my university degree rather I received a graduate position at L'Oreal Australia. So that led me back into beauty, but on the other side. So um, sort of more on the corporate side. So I, it was funny that I landed there because I certainly didn't plan on it. My father's in the automotive industry and I had always had other jobs in in that industry, which I thought would be my career path at that age. I thought, oh, yes, you know, I love it. I share the passion as well, which I still do. But falling into L'Oreal was, I, th- I feel at that time was meant to be. I, I didn't plan it. Um, it just happened and, and obviously set me on the path that I'm still on today but you know I believe in timing very very strongly and things happening for a reason so I I feel at that moment that was sort of the crossroads and I I took the path that I was like I said meant to be on now. Now the second product on your list is Mm. the one you grew up kind of watching your mum apply and she sounds just from just from what you've said already to be a very glamorous woman so it's no (laughs) surprise that I think red lipstick is the thing that you kind of Mm -hmm. associate with her can you tell me a bit more about that? Oh yes so lipstick I think because it's it's very um, obvious, you know, when you look at a woman's makeup, it's often something that you notice immediately. And I think that's one thing my mum always had beautiful lipstick on and that's something that I um, would always watch her apply and, and sort of fell in love with. And it is a big part of our collection today, our lip range. So I just think it was, I mean, the hair and the makeup was what I watched her do. So I, I formed that love of it, um, you know, very, very early on and through my mother and still to this day, I mean, she's she looks incredible and still looks after herself and yeah it's just part of who we are now you mentioned obviously you got your kind of career in the beauty space officially in Mm -hmm. at L'Oreal what was it like working you know you think of it is one if not the biggest beauty name in the world Mm -hmm. how did working there and seeing how beauty is marketed which is the other side of being a consumer and using it yourself what did you take away from that and how did it inform what you what you've done with Curtis collection yes absolutely I think that was a huge part of my learnings I think I really understood what it meant to have a big brand mentality through working at L'Oreal even though they are a big brand it taught me that at any level perception is everything so even when I started my brand and really we were like nobody really but I still behaved from all the decisions that I made in the initial stages 
as I would have at L'Oreal being a big brand. And I think that really set us off on the right foot and put us or gave us a platform to really market the brand in the same way. So, for example, um, my brand is salon exclusive. So we, we distribute to medi spas, beauty salons, hairdressing salons, etc. And the department that I worked in at L'Oreal was the same. So it was for professional products. And I suppose what I learned is the way that they looked after their clients, the way that they um, marketed the product and the level at which they did that. I, I basically emulated with my brand. So I didn't compromise, even though I may not have had the funding and the ability to do that initially, I still tried everything that I could to put that perception out there. Of course, looking after the clients is number one, and that's a personal thing, which I still enforce today. I think that's the most important part of our business. But I think that that's what I took away from L'Oreal is that you need to behave like a big brand, that perception is everything in the market. People believe basically what you're putting out there. So whether you're a big brand or not, if you're behaving like one uh, and, and you're delivering the same level of service, I think that it's irrelevant whether you're big or small. It's what how you make people feel, going back to what you said earlier. That's what I go on, the energy and the feeling that you can leave people with. And if it's positive, then that's the impression they're left with. And whether you're uh, big or small, um, ultimately they're going to feel great about the relationship. And it's such a good way to set it up as well because obviously the aim is to build it into something big so if you've already got the framework and the attitude at the start Mm -hmm. it just makes things so much easier agreed and I do think it's really interesting that was something that I did want to ask you obviously Curtis Collection being available in kind of the professional sparse place because that's obviously you can kind of go direct to consumer you can go in Priceline and Sephora and things like that Mm -hmm. what was the the thinking behind that was it because you'd seen how it worked in L'Oreal and seeing the strengths of that uh, definitely I think that was my initial thought also I found that it was a nice niche for me because you know competing with the likes of the big brands in the department stores would have been difficult at the start so I found that if I worked with smaller retailers people who I could have a one-on-one you know very personal relationship with and build on that and offer them myself and and the service that was personal um, I thought that might be a nice way and honestly I didn't have the plans or you know to be where I'm at today I just thought it would be very small and grow very organically which it did but it just grew really quickly and where I may have thought I might have sort of 20 retailers today we have you know in the vicinity of sort of 300 so yeah and it was just it was truly because I think working on those relationships initially and refining our sort of processes and procedures in the back end then allowed us to grow without compromising on the service and the quality which was really important to me especially my background with you know a company like L'Oreal I knew how important that was and how crucial that was to not only growing but maintaining the growth and not sort of slipping really quickly because it's one thing to grow but you can also fall off the edge Um, so I, I knew and I always had that in the back of my mind and still do today that it's delivering on what you promise in the beginning and that's uh, I suppose what you know what our foundations are that we always think about the client first so for me I found the salon industry came naturally to me something I knew really well and it was a lovely niche and I think the brand can then stand out in that environment rather than sort of potentially disappear into a sea of products in a department store. The third product on your list is the one that defined your teenage years, um, which you put as the bronzer instant tan. Oh, yes. So we'll talk about that. And then I know that there's another tanning one that you always repurchase now, which is Loving Tan. So tell me about both of those. Oh, goodness. So when I was 16 and scary to say that's going back 20 years almost almost now my one of my friends introduced me to this product the bronzer with instant tan with shimmer so there's two types but we use the one with shimmer now shimmer sounds a bit scary but it's just got a beautiful sheen to it and it is instant so what I like about it is if I'm on the run and I don't have time to spray or it's in between tans it's something that I apply um, just with a glove and it's a cream it gives you an instant tan however it washes off in the shower so it can be applied for the day so sometimes it's just um, applied you know maybe to blend in with your makeup sort of down the neckline and it you know you don't have to put it everywhere necessarily it's just for a little bit of color around the chest area and up into the neck to blend like I said with your makeup so for me I find it's a really quick and easy solution it is a beautiful color it's a nice brown it doesn't look orangey it doesn't look green or violet based so it's just beautiful tan color the only downside is if you ever get caught in the rain 
<laughs> so for me, I have to plan ahead and I know that if it's going to be raining that day, that's probably not the town I'm going for. Yeah. But I, I believe me, in my teenage years, I'm sure I had the spots, you know, in caught in the rain, no doubt. But now I'm a little more, um, I suppose, you know, think ahead. So it's, it's just a great, simple solution for your in-between days or when your tan is fading. Sometimes when your tan's fading, you don't know where to go with it. Do you scrub it off or do you leave it on? So I just tend to pop that on top for the day and I suppose it gets me through that maybe that very last day of the tan it makes it look acceptable <laughs> and then I can I can obviously move on to the next lot but Loving Tan is the brand I've now used that for probably five to six years so that is my the mousse that I do at home often I don't have time for a spray to get out for a spray tan so it's whenever I can pop that on it is a two-hour tan and I use the dark however I sleep in it so I often wear it you know, sort of for six to eight hours. I find it develops beautifully on my skin. I'm very, very fair typically. So it's a nice colour. It stays on. I love the way it fades. It doesn't look awful or, you know, it doesn't sort of fade unnaturally. It just fades quite evenly. And then I'm ready to sort of exfoliate and do my next tan within sort of seven days. So I, I really love that product. I think it's a beautiful undertone. Um, another Brisbane-based business. She's gorgeous and I'm so, so proud of her success because she's grown significantly over the last six years. So I love supporting her too. And obviously being a bit of an expert with fake tan, it sounds, <laughs> what is kind of your number one tip for a good finish? Is it about the product or is there something in the technique as well? So what I have discovered recently, um, when I was pregnant, I had really dry skin. It never really used to happen to me before, but since then it's it's sort of occurred. I think obviously exfoliating is great, but applying moisturiser before my tan, maybe a couple of hours before, I find is is really improved the way my tan fades and lasts. So obviously the drier your skin is or the flakier your skin is, the more it's going to encourage the, the tan to become patchy within days. So I, I apply moisturiser a couple of hours before after I've exfoliated. So I feel that my skin is really well hydrated and the tan just sits evenly and nicely on my skin with my hands because that can go terribly wrong we all know that I do know that <laughs> <laughs> we've all had those moments so now I apply a, like a lot of moisturizer on my hands um, just before I apply the tan then I pop the glove on I'll do the rest of my body and then when I'm finished at the very end I will remove the the glove that I'm applying with and I'll apply the tan on my hands so it's basically sitting on moisturizer so it's not clean onto any dry skin or into the creases of the hands and when I wash it off I've it's honestly the most even tan on my hands the the secret I have found to applying it on the hands is using a makeup brush so a oh. duo fire fiber brush so it's quite it's it's not like dense so you buff the tan into your hands using that so it, it gets into I suppose all the creases rather than sitting on top and forming little lines when it dries so if you buff it in um, it spreads the tan evenly and not too thick and it's on top of the moisturizer and I find that my hands look flawless so um, that would be my tip with hands because I think they're the trickiest part of the tan they're the instant giveaway aren't they, aren't they just <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, you're at L'Oreal. Mm -hmm. What was the catalyst for Curtis Collection and what kind of did you identify that was missing in the market that you wanted to fill? One thing I noticed when I go into salons with our sales representatives, I was in the marketing department, but once a month I would go out on the road with them. And I think with makeup that you'd find in a, a beauty salon, often it was excellent for your skin. It had all of the skincare benefits, etc. But Sometimes it wouldn't be presented in the packaging that the consumer would expect from a designer or a department store. So I found that there was a gap in the market to combine the two, to have something that you would expect to find in a department store in a salon. So I wanted to bring that to the salon industry. However, to still deliver on the ingredients and the quality that someone would expect to buy in that environment. So I figured that there's no better person to buy your makeup from than your beauty therapist because they know your skin intimately. They know where you're at on your skin journey and it should form a part of the treatment plan because often people, they, they, I suppose they don't consider makeup to be a part of their skincare regime. And in fact, it's the most important part because... 
a, the research that we've done, a lot of our salons will work with their clients to basically have a goal in mind for their skin. So it might be addressing dehydrated skin, acne, congestion, etc. And they'll work on the treatment. They'll then put them onto the skincare. But then the client may be going and buying a cheap makeup product that's full of chemicals, applying that for the next month until they see their therapist again and really reversing the effects of what they've done in the treatment room. And what I actually, the way that we educate our retailers is for them to understand that the more information our clients have, the more that they can, uh, more, more responsibility they can take. And, you know, for their own skin. So the way I relate that is to say in the, in the um, health industry now, what we are aware of is that if you want to, if you have a weight loss goal, you know that you can go to a personal trainer, but often it's the home care and what you're eating that will give you the results. So we are educated enough now to understand that it is part of your plan that you can train all you like, but the responsibility is on you at home. And that's what goes, you know, happens in the kitchen. So what I try to basically teach our, our makeup artists and our educators is that we need to make our clients understand that what we do in the treatment room is one thing, but what they're putting on their skin for the next month until they come back is the most crucial part of the treatment plan. So our makeup forms a part of that treatment plan and should be an extension of the skincare. And that's where um, I think it falls really nicely into the industry because it should be part of their, their, their journey. Back then, I think I just noticed that I could potentially present a product that offered both. That, that sort of purse proud moment where somebody pulls out their compact and they feel really good about it, but also knowing that they're not using something that's going to compromise their skin. So when I designed the collection, I had I had problematic skin myself and I was using a mineral makeup product at the time and not understanding why my treatments that I was having regularly because I had congestion on my skin um, and the makeup product I was using, I couldn't understand where I suppose the roadblock was. Why wasn't I seeing results? And when I worked with my manufacturers to develop uh, a product, I presented to them what I had and they had identified an ingredient in the mineral makeup product that was an irritant. And it's in a lot of makeup products, still is today, but we formulated a product without it. And I used that over the course of six to 12 months with having you know treatments at the same time and I found that my skin was finally seeing results and that's when I had my light bulb moment even though I hadn't had a plan to be I suppose developing a whole range for the salon industry I knew that I wanted to have a product that I could use for my own skin I suppose the moment that I had was that well if I actually use this for the past three years and and had my treatments, I could have had clear skin so much earlier. It was just that I was using one simple product that was actually compromising the results of everything. And I, f I feel that that's what really drove me and pushed me to pitch this or to sell this product in that environment so that I could assist other women in understanding that their makeup was potentially what was holding them back from improving their skin. And that's where it took me and led me to this industry. So let's talk a bit more on mineral cosmetics mm. for someone who kind of doesn't really know what it is, mm -hmm. what exactly is it and what are kind of the <laughs> yes. benefits compared to? Absolutely. I think the main benefit that I talk about today is not only are our products mineral and vitamin infused or based, um, what that means is that they're ground down from rocks. And the benefit of that is not only do they provide antioxidant protection for your skin and natural sun protection, so not from chemicals, from actual uh, minerals, that, that being one benefit. The second benefit is that they, are, they have very powerful light reflective properties. So what that means, a lot of the questions I get is how um, does the coverage compare to normal makeup products? Well, in fact, it's actually more flawless, the result, because of the light reflective properties. And how that works is that traditional makeup absorbs light. And what that can do is actually draw attention to your flaws. All the things we're trying to hide Correct. by applying. Yep. Exactly. So the dark circles, the pigmentation, the redness in the skin, it can actually enhance that rather than conceal it. So it can certainly cover it. But what if you can imagine two colours mixed together, they form another colour. And often that colour can be a dark brown or a muddier colour. So you, you can be covered, but it doesn't mean that you're concealed and flawless. 
Whereas mineral products reflect light. And what that means is they create this illusion that you have flawless skin. So I say that it's like having the best lighting on your face 24-7, which personally I love the thought of. Me too. (laughs) So it's like being in a studio. If you're going to have a photo shoot, the photographer would light you up and it diffuses fine lines, wrinkles, etc. and makes the skin look super flawless because of the lighting. So it's the same theory applied. So it throws light back into the eyes of those looking at you. So it sort of plays tricks on their eye and your skin looks glowy and flawless um, and concealed. So minerals have this incredible benefit of looking flawless and luminous and beautiful in the complexion but also are feeding the skin what skincare would throughout the day so it is like wearing skincare or a treatment all day long plus with the sun protection which of course prevents aging and I think it's kind of come up a few times with what you've been saying which I think is really reflective of where the industry is at the moment Mm -hmm. which is this blurred line between makeup and skincare in terms of skincare ingredients now popping up and benefits in in makeup as you're saying with Curtis Collection Uh and also just the big emphasis on looking after the skin before you even think about what you're putting on in makeup. Is that something that you've seen as well? Absolutely. Uh, I often say that our products are hybrid products. So they are skincare in, in a makeup form. So that is absolutely where the industry is headed. I think everything, I mean, with our range, the way that I create a new product or formulate a new product is to create something that is I call it makeup with benefits so unless the product has a benefit or we can offer a solution to a, a, a client so for example um, I would often look at a product and say okay what what concern is this addressing for example if we're formulating a concealer I would like to address things like dark circles dryness um, smile lines dehydration lines around the eyes so we're going to formulate that product to create a solution for all of these concerns so we want it to be light luminous light reflective but still have coverage and be dewy enough that it's not going to look dry under the eyes so all of our products the other benefit they have is the super hydration properties and often women mistake dehydration lines for wrinkles but really it's just skin that can be plumped and hydrated and I call it a youth boost because the more that the more water that you can retain under the skin the more plumped the skin is going to look so our products with the the vitamins and the minerals that are infused into the product what they do is they retain 1800 times their own water weight so if you can imagine that just draws all of this water to the surface of the skin so all of these sort of um, dehydration lines are uh, evened out or um, plumped and you look instantly more youthful so I love the thought of your makeup doing all these wonderful things during the day when all of the damage from the environment is often done. Now speaking of a particular product the mm-hmm. fourth product on your list is the one that gives you a confidence boost or is part of your signature look which is the Map Perfection Mineral Foundation. Oh yes Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So that was the first product that we I ever formulated. I was about yes. to ask what the first product was. Perfect. <laughs> That's the one. So our Matte Perfection, it's the product I wear every day. For me, I, I'm a full coverage girl. So I like the fact that it gives me full coverage in a matte finish, which is also what I like on my own skin. And uh, it covers anything. So it has, like I said earlier, this beautiful sort of light reflective property where it makes your skin, even if you are feeling dull, um, if your skin isn't feeling so radiant, it will always give you the glow. And that's something that we call our signature glow in, in the Curtis Collection range. So I find that for me, because I love a matte finish, it is perfect on my skin. However, we do now offer formulas with a dewy finish or a demi matte finish for those, just depending on your, you know, makeup is very much about personal preference also the condition of your skin so if you have a dry skin type dewy foundations are wonderful because they're obviously going to hydrate and give you a really nice finish on for your skin type specifically on myself I love matte perfection it is our best seller Uh, it just works for everybody you can wear it really lightly as well but you can build it to a full coverage minerals will never cake so you can add as many layers as you please they will always work with your natural undertones so they'll reflect your natural undertone and it will just look like a second skin I think that's really good to hear because I think I know for me personally when I think of mineral for some reason I have in my head like mineral powder yes foundation things and I think well of course it's going to be clunky and stuff Mm -hmm. but 
This is nothing like that, no. obviously. Although, although you're very right, that perception is out there in the market because that's how minerals started, with a loose powder. So now the technology you know, and the machinery that's used um, in, in our manufacturing houses, they have been refined and updated you know, and have come such a long way that we can actually triple mill our minerals so they're, they're ground down through various processes that they're so fine that they would never, ever give you the original look of a mineral foundation. So the industry has come such a long way that you can get this perfect polished look in a liquid form as well now in a mineral-based foundation. And what do you use to apply that? Are you using a sponge or a brush or your hands? or? Yes, good question. I use a brush to apply and then when I apply my concealer and we have a technique called the V technique with our concealer, which is where you apply your concealer from the corner of your nose up to the corner of your eye and then you form a triangle on the face um, sort of along the corner of the nose and I apply concealer in that area and I then blend that with a, um, a blending sponge. So I find that gives you the most flawless finish with the sponge to sort of um, dab it in however the reason we have our v technique is because a lot of people apply concealer just sort of a couple of dots under the eyes but really in any area that you want to project on the face you need to add a light reflective product so what that does is it brings it to the forefront of the face and if you think about what you'd like to enhance it's often the cheekbones and the under eye area so that's why we go along the cheekbone which is corner of the nose to the corner of the eye and highlight that area and then we shade where the bronzer goes which is I suppose a little bit below that which gives you this really lifted appearance so with makeup you can create the illusion of really high cheekbones if you just place your products in the right areas so having the benefit of a light reflective concealer which is what minerals do it can really give you that lifted cheekbone effect if it's placed in the right area too as a brand founder, obviously mm. when you were creating Curtis Collection and now when you're creating new products, you're obviously looking at what people are using, what the trends are. And I think at the beginning you were also overseas at the time, so you were seeing things yes. that were going on elsewhere. Uh-huh. Do you find it interesting looking into the differences of what people are doing in different places? And are you excited about where the space is at the moment in terms of trends and innovative ingredients and things like that? Absolutely. I think for our brand, I always try to stay true to who we are at the same time. However, it is so important to look at the trends and be, you know, moving with the industry and evolving constantly. So we don't often formulate product solely based on trends. A lot of these trends, I suppose, they're very transient, you know, they're in and out. And I, it is my call at the end of the day to make a decision whether that trend is going to suit our brand and whether it's going to be something that makes sense for us or if it's something that I feel will be, you know, a a great option and sort of will last the test of time. So I I try to still be as traditional as I can be because I am very traditional myself. Even with fashion, I find that I don't often follow trends. I stick to what works for my body, my height, my look. So, you know, you can definitely take, I, I draw inspiration from the trends. So we might create something similar or, you know, the color tones or the collection, but it might not be the product as such. And I think that's the mistake that maybe a lot of people make is that they, you know, I always try to stay in my lane. I often don't look left or right. I feel like that's wasted energy. So I, I, I'm aware of it. I take it into account. I don't always make a decision on that alone. However, it is so important not to fall behind. So it is a very fine line. Evolving is always part of what we do. I think our collection has changed and become very, I suppose, refined over time based on what we offer. However, because we are in the salon industry, sometimes the products don't work for the industry. So I I often take that into account too. Something in a department store that can be, I suppose, marketed to a lot of people instantly will will sell and, and the collection will sell out for that sort of time that the trend is there. But for us, I suppose the therapists in the salons may not be 100%, you know, makeup artist specific. So we try to stay true to the skin side of things and add the color collection as, as you know, to, to complement that. And when we talk about when the seed for Curtis Collection was planted to the moment that you sold your first product what Mm. kind of time frame are we talking yes that's interesting because I developed a product used it for about six to twelve months moved back to Australia because at the time we're in England so I had used it on a client that I was just doing some makeup on and she was a bride but she owned a salon and she said to me at the time I think I could sell this I think I could you know my clients would really love this I love the product 
However, going back to the, I suppose, training that I had at L'Oreal, I actually asked her to hold off because I knew that unless I had a beautifully presented makeup bar with a full color collection for her to have in store, that it was going to be a product that collected dust on a shelf and it wasn't going to be a destination point in her salon. So I actually took another six months, went back and forth to the US where a lot of our manufacturers are, and I put together a color collection, designed a makeup bar, and only then, six months later, did she have it available to her to put in. And she was my very first stockist and is still part of the brand today, which is amazing, nine to 10 years later. But it was, I just made a decision. Sometimes I think that when something sounds good, it's not always the right timing. And I think I knew that from early on that although she wanted to sell it then, then and there, and that would have been a wonderful moment to say, yes, take it, great. It was, it would have set me off on the wrong foot from day one. And I knew that even taking a little more time, I think things that are worth it, uh, you need to have patience for um, and be you know, somewhat planned in a sense that I, I like to always have sort of a be calculated with my decisions. So I knew that that wasn't the way I wanted someone to walk in and see my brand. I wanted them to see a whole collection and a makeup bar. So it, I would say about 18 months all up from, from the day I, I thought of the idea to having it on that shelf. And that's still really quite mm. fast. Oh, definitely. Compared to you. But yes. I love, and I think that goes back exactly to what you were saying at the start of having that big brand mentality. Yes. A big brand doesn't just have one product. It has the kind of the full complete range. Absolutely. Absolutely spot on. That's what I thought. What were those first products that launched? What What was that full colour collection? What was in that? Very similar to what we have today. Just a couple of changes. But we had mineral powders and liquids. We had bronzers and blush, Illuminator, which is still, I suppose, our star product, um, has a cult following that one, our Radiant Glow Illuminator. Um, that was in the range because we mix a pump into our foundation, so it gives you added glow and luminosity, um, gives the skin a real lift. And then we had eyeshadows and brow products, which have always been a big part of our collection and amazing um, sellers for us, our brow range, and then lipsticks and glosses. So we, we basically covered it all, but we didn't have too much that it would be intimidating for a salon to take on or for their client to walk in and sort of say well where do I start it was just enough product for somebody to say if I bought one of everything I could do a full face I don't know if it was mentioned there but the fifth product on your list kind of got two holy grail best discovery ah, yes. products <laughs> one is naked glow cc cream ah, yes absolutely and the other one is one you mentioned that you developed dermatitis when you were pregnant so mm -hmm. the Aveeno Directa moisturizing cream so oh tell me goodness. about about both yes. of those okay so start Starting with our CC cream, it's something that Mo I should actually change the name because most people refer to it as magic cream. <laughs> so it comes out white and the whole idea is that it colour corrects your skin tone. So it's full of little capsules that burst on application. So that's why it comes out white. And then once you work it into the skin, the white cream actually then transforms into your skin tone. And because of the different coloured capsules, they counteract any colour in the skin. So for example, green counteracts red. So if you've got redness in the skin, one of the green little capsules in there will actually work to correct any redness so you look like you have even skin tone same with orange and purple so under eye dark circles are purple any orange in the in the product will counteract those so the the result or the final result is that you have even skin and it looks like you're wearing no makeup at all so you lit it's your skin only better that's the best way to describe it so for those people who don't wear makeup I often say that this is the best product for them because it will just look like their own skin the other thing is a lot of my clients will say, no, I, I, you know, I don't wear makeup during the week. I give my skin a break. But in fact, you're actually doing more damage to your skin because you're exposing it to age aggressors. So the sun, if you've got no protection on your skin, you are damaging your skin and dehydrating it with no sort of protection or hydration. So wearing CC cream is giving you that no makeup look. It is like just wearing a beautiful moisturizer, but with the benefit of evening the skin tone. So I think that's why it's become it is without a doubt our bestseller in the whole collection. It is Magic Cream. I should seriously consider changing <laughs> the name. Um, and it's something that every girl has a need for in her makeup bag, without a doubt. The Aveeno Cream is something I discovered out of sheer desperation. I had, I, I can't even explain how awful my dermatitis was, but it came out of nowhere in my pregnancy and I had never, ever suffered from it before. But it was so bad in the last few months that my skin would be cracked and bleeding oh. so it was it was actually also very painful so 
I, during pregnancy, I was so fearful of using any kind of a product that may compromise me or, or the baby or, or the pregnancy. So I, I stayed away from any kind of cortisone creams or anything. So I, I literally suffered through it. And I tried moisturizers, but, you know, with no success at all. Once I had my baby boy, I um, it didn't go away, which I thought it might. And I, I had literally found myself in the supermarket on a weekend with my dermatitis at just peaking and, and I was in so much pain and I was looking at the shelf and thinking, okay, what haven't I bought? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I found it. And I picked up the Aveeno cream with honestly no recommendation. No one had put me onto it. It was just sort of the last thing I hadn't bought and just thought, you know, I'll give it a go. Took it home and I, I can honestly say within four days, my skin had improved so significantly that I felt the need to share it almost with anybody that I had <laughs> encountered that week. I kept saying, look at my hands, this cream is amazing. Obviously the oatmeal base and you know, then I understand that people with really bad eczema, they actually travel to that region and actually have baths in oatmeal and it cures their, their um, condi- skin conditions. So it's incredible. It's something I keep in my bag every single day I apply it. It's The best part is it doesn't feel sticky. So you can touch your hair afterwards, you can you know touch your clothing and you don't feel like you've got this coating of moisturizer on or hand cream and it lasts through hand washing so I haven't had a crack on my skin since which for me that you know the extent to which I sort of suffered is is remarkable so it's something I can't speak highly enough of it's an amazing product and just the relief it brings as you said it's oh, not goodness. just how it looks it's 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 painful as well now as you mentioned you have your gorgeous son Marcus mm-hmm. who is now two years old yes. And I'm always curious about whether having children has kind of changed the way you approach or your attitude to anything. Oh, yes, absolutely. It changed everything for me. So I, I suppose, gave me a purpose that I didn't even know I could feel or experience or have. And, you know, anything anything I do, you know, from that day forward has been about my son and only my son. I make all my decisions based on him and, you know, our future. So I think the other thing, you know, it came with a lot of mum guilt because I did run a business and I didn't stop working even from the day that he was born. I, I, I worked right through, which in hindsight wasn't probably the best thing for me and my my health. But I sort of had no choice at the time having my own business. So I kept going through awful sleep deprivation and, and obviously hormonal changes and all sorts of things that a woman experiences when they become become a mother but it he just gives me so much strength that you know I see how resilient he is and that empowers me alone I mean I think if my little boy can get through anything that just sort of has come our way then I certainly as his mother um you know need to stand up and also be sort of the person in his life that guides us through so I I feel like he's just given me a newfound lease on life the confidence as a mother you know you're so proud of just being a mother it's such a big achievement we're so hard on ourselves we really really are that's one thing I've come to realize sort of two years in is that I spent two years just being critical of myself and I'm not doing enough and I'm working too much or you know but ultimately all of this is for my son and recently I met a brand owner she's an Australian woman who owns a skincare brand and she has teenagers and sort of worked through all of their you know newborn years and their their primary school years and I asked her how she does it and she said look you know it was really hard I made a lot of sacrifices but ultimately in the end her children who are teenagers now and fully understand her and her career uh, they're so proud of her and um, inspired by her and she is an inspiring woman but I, that gave me I think that gave me a really nice sort of outlook into what potentially all this guilt that comes with being a mum and working mum results in and I think that's setting an amazing example and being a role model for your children at the at the end of the day so I can only I suppose draw from that um, and put everything into perspective but it has just given me a lot of confidence uh, and being really proud of the hardest job in the world, which is being a mum. That's such a beautiful way to look at it. (laughs) And speaking of mums, actually, the Mm. sixth product on your list is the perfume that has a special memory for you, which for you is Chanel Mademoiselle. Yes. Tell me about the memories behind that. Oh, goodness. I wear it. My mother wears it. And every time I walk out of the house and I've sprayed it on, I just takes me back to being a child and watching my mum look so beautiful as her and her my dad were going to step out for the night or go to an event because she always had the scent on she always looked perfect and I think it it 
makes because my mum is just everything to me she's so gorgeous to me she's the most beautiful woman in the world like everybody's mum is and I feel like I have her with me all the time so and often she is with me all the time (laughs) but uh, but even when she's not I suppose even when I go into a meeting and and you know we do work together a lot but if mum's not there if I'm traveling it's like I have a piece of home with me so it resembles a lot more for me than just a scent um it's just family and love and you know that that beautiful feeling I used to get when I'd look at my mum looking the way she always does which is stunning and I think that's one of the things that I've really taken from talking to people Mm. for Beauty Island is that so much of our initially our first interaction with beauty but also kind of the power that we feel is to make us feel more grown up more glamorous for those figures that we kind of saw which I really love I think that's a really beautiful connection yes absolutely actually touching on that my the other sort of beauty role model or icon that I had and sort of a lot of the members of my family there's a we we are our heritage is Greek so our um, our family is originally from Greece and my grandmother who looked after me a lot of the time used to play me these beautiful Greek movies that were or still are very iconic and there was an actress who was so well known at the time still today I mean she's passed away she she was sort of very big in the 50s beautiful blonde and um, long hair she was stunning she looked like a, a doll and for me she was this beauty icon and I used to watch her at, honestly from the age of five and just think oh my god like she is heaven she is just stunning and it was something that I suppose even today maybe subconsciously uh, I I even with my makeup, I always sort of go for the look that I had seen her, you know, in, in all of these movies. It's just in my head. How interesting. Yeah, so she's, she's just this, I suppose when you grow up at that very impressionable age and that's what you see and that's, I suppose, something you're watching all, you know, all the time. Um, it's something I tried to emulate and it's quite funny that that's still something that I would feel is one of the most beautiful w- women that I've ever um, laid eyes on. However... When somebody asks me what I think true beauty is or what it should look like, I actually think it has absolutely nothing to do with how you look. I think true beauty is confidence. And I think that the most irresistible woman in a room is the woman that walks in with the most confidence and the air of confidence, the way she looks at people, looking people in the eye, speaking really, you know, with a smile and confidently, that is the true meaning of beauty to me so you know in saying all of that the way that people look etc that's one thing but I think it's more about how you make people feel and if you make them feel beautiful important um, and the only person in the room often for me they're the they're the women I never forget they're exactly they're mm. the people you take away that kind of oh, yes feeling with absolutely the seventh product on your list, we're getting to the final two, mm. is the product or, or range that you use to treat yourself, which for you is the Ultraceutical Skincare ah, yes. Range. And I've heard a lot about this, mm. but I've never actually tried it. What is it that stands out so much to you? So I, I had always sort of dabbled in skincare. I can't say because makeup was more my thing. I wasn't sort of super loyal to a brand or I didn't have a regime that was, you know, morning, noon and night and what have you. So I... Um, was put onto ultraceuticals just in the industry through a stockist that one of our stockists that also stocked ultraceuticals and I just tested a cleanser but I was always very careful with skincare because I'd had breakouts before or reactions to things I fell in love with the cleanser and then I got to know their national manager really well in an event that we both hosted and she sort of sent me a couple of lovely products and when I had tried their serums which I can't believe I had never used serums before because they changed my world (laughs) (laughs) but I tried the vitamin B C um, and I'm just starting on the A now now that I've sort of come out of pregnancy and breastfeeding my skin looked just incredible and I have not used another skincare product to this day so it's been about four years that I've been using ultraceuticals and I've introduced sort of different products along the way but it's just I haven't had a breakout in all of that time and I used to get them regularly Um, my skin just looks fresh and plumped and and healthy and radiant all the time so I highly recommend the brand but also um, the serums I feel have been what really took my skin to the next level so love the brand love the people behind the brand it's an Australian company and I just love everything they stand for beautiful we've obviously talked a lot about beauty Mm. so far I want Mm. to touch a little outside for them for the minute what is something that people might be surprised to learn about you in terms of other things that you're interested in I know obviously we've touched on fashion which is a really big part of it it sounds yes I love fashion I mean that's my other my other passion it's 
a very nothing to do with being involved in it I just gen- generally love it I mean I like sort of putting an outfit together or styling something I designed on our website is called the makeup styling guide and the reason I did that is because I feel that your look should be styled from head to toe so I'm actually looking at your look today and you've got this beautiful pink jumper on and you've actually paired your eyeshadow to have an undertone of that which is what makeup styling is all about so really makeup should be just bringing out and enhancing your best features so I find with fashion if you're putting together an outfit your shoes will often match your you know your jacket or your bag or something then the tones in your makeup need to complement what you're wearing because it's aesthetically pleasing overall and everything is working together so I think fashion just falls into what I do um, it complements it really nicely I also have a huge passion for the car industry um, my father is um, today the CEO of Porsche Australia so he's been in the car industry for ever as long as I can remember and I just have this love of you know vehicles and automotive you know the automotive industry so I have a real appreciation for that which is so random but I do I love cars it's kind of style and design in a different way as well though isn't it yeah oh yes absolutely and I think the other thing about that is because my father's worked in sort of the luxury car industry for so long he's been a huge mentor for me in business but also to I suppose keep me on the the path of maintaining that big brand mentality as well so you know he never really gives me solid like direction and advice he would just offer me his knowledge and leave the decision to me and I really appreciate that because he's never sort of held my hand through anything he's just been there for support and said look this is you know what I think of where you're at but ultimately the decision comes down to you so I have lots of I think sport is a big one as well if I could just quickly touch on that I was a swimmer in another life oh really oh yes professional swimmer for uh, probably a solid eight years so from sort of early to well from eight was my first state final race um, which which, my God, I can still hear the gun going off, <laughs> which has mentally scarred me, I'm sure. But they, they quickly turned that into a beep a um, couple of years later. But yes, I was a swimmer. So I think the one thing about sport, it taught me discipline. I trained 10 times a week in my teens. Morning, afternoon, my poor mother would sleep in the car at 4am before work because that was when training started. So yeah, it really taught me how to be committed and disciplined. And I feel as though that translates into business and is such an important part of owning your own business because nobody is there to regulate your hours or tell you how much to work. It is solely up to you and your drive and ambition. And I think sport is such a huge, you know, your, your learnings through being an athlete or playing professional in a team even the team aspect and how to actually play and and um, work you know with others so I find that that's been a big part of who I am as well and you talk about obviously being driven and running your own business Mm. and no one telling you you know you should go yes. home now. I think on the flip side of that, there's also no one to tell you well to done or to, cel- or to celebrate your successes as oh, well. Yes. Do you make sure, and I suppose success success itself is a very objective term, what you view mm-hmm. as being successful. But yes. do you take time to kind of look back and, and marvel at what you've done? A very interesting point because for a long time I didn't. And I think maybe it's my nature, but I would put more pressure on myself. The more success that I had, I would say, okay, that's not enough. I need to go to the next level and the next level. But in recent years, maybe it is through becoming a mother as well and sort of stopping and and reflecting and having a little more time, you know, downtime. I think I valued my business a lot more. Also what I had come to achieve in sort of an eight-year period. And I think one thing I've learned from listening to a lot of podcasts actually is that a lot of successful people will say to you that where they're at now, which could be, you know, ultimately found their goal and and achieved it is that the journey was a lot more fun than than when they got there and I think hearing that message is super important because I have had such a great time building this business that really like you said earlier that if I think about it is the definition of success having an amazing time doing what you love every day so if I think about it then I can be quite proud of of just the daily grind which a lot of people think is is can be hard it's a hustle for sure but often that's the best part of it because you achieve something every day so I now can can sit back and say that in the early days no and I sort of grateful for that too because it made me work a lot harder but I think that it is really important to sit back and say you know what whatever it is that I've done knowing that I've just worked hard is this is ultimately at the best part so yes I'm a lot more mindful of that now I think you need to be I think that's a very yeah pertinent reminder because Mm. it's and it's not just owning your own business it could be in anything so many people when you have this goal that you've been working for and then you reach it 
it's kind of like, well, what do next? I do now? What's next? That's right. And that's where you always, I mean, I find every year I, I set, you know, write a set of goals for that year. And it could be in the business. It could be a personal thing. It could be anything. But you just can't stop and stand still. It needs to constantly be, well, you need to constantly involve as a person and find a way to maybe have a new project on the go for the business or some kind of uh, achievement that you feel you would like to work on for that year because that's where people can get complacent and think, oh, you know, business is doing well, happy to hit cruise control and just ride it. But that's where you can often slip. So I find even if it's a slightly different project, I always have something new that I need to be working on to keep me motivated as well. Now, the final product Mm. on your list is the product that you would trust with your life, which which are your Zala hair extensions. Yes. Tell me about those. So my hair has always been blonde. So being a blonde, you're fighting sort of an an uphill battle constantly (laughs) because you're you're bleaching your hair. However, I found that through pregnancy, I had beautiful, thick, luscious hair like I've never had before. And of course, after that, it changed a lot, which happens to a lot of women. So I kind of wasn't sure what to do without sort of putting further pressure on my hair with bleach and heat etc so I found that I used to do this when I was in my teens when I would wear clip-in hair extensions so I thought okay if I'd like a bit more volume I might try that option and I have been wearing them ever since so they're just a simple clip-in I wear two rows most of the time unless I'm going out and clip them in if I feel like it sometimes I don't feel like it but if I do in the morning clip them in they give me volume they add a little more blonde so I don't have to color my hair as much so they sort of give me that color without me officially having to to commit to that with my own hair and just volume and length so I have different lengths so if I want you know to sort of wear a longer piece I will but often it's just sort of below my shoulders and yeah I find that I put less heat on my hair that way because the extensions are curled so I think there is a lot of benefit to the clip-in it's not something you need to put in permanently either so there's no glue or um, adhesive involved which can off- you know, often damage your hair as well so they're just simple solution every day and pop them out at night and you know they're sort of there when you want them to be so I love them I think they're great and I think that's another thing as well we talk about how far things have come hair extensions even in say the past 10 years a lot of people might think you know if you think about how they used to be I imagine like Paris Hilton you know where they're they're, they're obviously like very obvious and things like (laughs) that whereas now obviously like yours I would never tell super natural and just if you've got thin hair or you want a bit more volume or like you said you just want the ease of having your hair kind of more ready to go exactly they're definitely something worth trying and look we none of us have perfect hair some people are blessed with amazing hair and I have many friends like that um major hair envy but I love it I love I love looking at their luscious um locks but that's what you can achieve with an extension without compromising your own hair and what I've learned is obviously the more heat that you're putting on your hair um the more damage we all know now so I, I try to avoid that being blonde now and I think the extensions have really helped me with that so yes I highly recommend the brand Zala You talked about goal setting. Mm. So the obvious almost final question would be what (laughs) the goals for for Victoria Curtis and Curtis Collection for 2020 for next year? Yes, so last year I was super proud to open our concept store and makeup academy. So I think for next year we are really committed to building on the academy, offering courses not only for students who are wanting to actually learn makeup um, and work in the industry themselves, but also for the everyday woman. So I find that a lot of people that I um, work with or talk to that use the brand even often will say to me, okay, I love these products, but I'd actually love to know how to use them. So it is a challenge. Often being in the beauty industry, we think that women know what we know, but in fact, it is totally foreign to some women. It is a new experience for a lot of them using or owning a beauty product. So I find that education is the most important element. So the more they know, the more they can do, the more confident they feel using my brand. So I think we will work on offering our, our sort of shorter courses or just um, you know an evening course for friends that come in together or mother and daughter and really pushing the education side. So I think for me also, I'm just super excited about being in Melbourne, you know, living in Brisbane for 10 years. So nice to be home and nice to be able to grow the brand um, in this city where it already had a great following, but being here on the ground is wonderful. And I get my little fix of going back to Brisbane to see all our clients, which I just miss and love so much. The weather, 
must say. Yeah, Melbourne, particularly <laughs> the last few days, has not been. I know. So it's, it, yeah, it's almost you can't explain it to someone that hasn't lived here. But um, certainly the four seasons in a day. So I do miss that. Now you've spoken about the eight products, mm. plus a few more, <laughs> that yes. have a special um, memory or meaning for you. Uh-huh. And now is the time where, as I cast your way to Beauty Island, you've got to pick just one to take oh, with you from me. that list. You can throw practicality out the window. It doesn't have to be practical. Mm-hmm. Um, Beauty Island is a mystical place after all. And it just be about the one that you want to keep you company while you're there. So which one would you pick? Okay, so if I'm going to Beauty Island, I'm assuming there's sun, so I might not need a tanning product. No. Okay. And I will give you all the sun protection and stuff that you would Wonderful. Like. So I'm going to eliminate my tanning product because possibly that might be first on my list. I don't like to not be tanned, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll get one there. So I think I'm going to have to go with the CC cream. I think that's the one thing that my skin is guaranteed to be protected, hydrated, glowing and even. And I think that that's the one thing I probably couldn't live without there. So I will choose Curtis Collection Naked Glow CC Cream. Great choice. Victoria, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It has been an absolute delight. Oh, it's been my honour and pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. I hope you enjoyed it, found it inspiring, and remember you can find all the details of where to find and follow Victoria and Curtis Collection, as well as all the products that she spoke about in today's episode, in the show notes and if you fancy chatting more beauty you can find me on instagram at beauty island podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany beauty bts i also have a regular beauty newsletter called it's a beauty where you'll get reviews recommendations tips and tricks and my weekly beauty column delivered straight to your inbox you can find the sign up link in the show notes as well thank you so much and until next time bye bye <laughs>